What does it mean to submit yourself for the Lord's sake? Let's talk about that today on The Midweek Move. Podcast extension of the Healing Place. This is a podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves what is happening here today. Uh, I'm joined again by our lead pastor here at the Healing Place, Pastor Scott. How you doing today, sir? Doing good. Just ready to uh, jump into this interesting portion of chapter two. Yeah, um, you know we we do our best not to get political, but we're gonna get a little political today. It looks like. Well, uh, the scripture is going to get political. I don't know if we're going to get political. We're going to respond to the scriptures appropriately. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. So uh, last week we we tackled the first half of Peter chapter two, um, and with a really interesting conversation about what it means to to live holy, to be a part of this royal priesthood, and walking that out. And it ended with a conversation about doing good in front of pagans. Uh, as a reminder, the people that he's writing to, that Peter's writing to, are a group of people who are living in a hostile land. They're living in a place as strangers and aliens in front of people who do not believe the same thing they believe, uh, have been antagonistic and hostile towards their beliefs in Christ. Yep. Uh, they've been, um, I want to say, influenced uh, to do things that are counter the will of God. Uh, and again, not to say that, you know... You, how do I put this? There are things that are permissible in the will of God, and there are things that are not. And some of the things that they're being asked to do is not permissible at all. Yep. And so there's some antagonistic mindsets that are taking place of what a believer in Christ should do in a governmental situation. And so today we're going to be kind of tackling that conversation today in light of the scriptures. So let's, uh, let's do this, Pastor. All right, verse 13, Therefore submit yourselves... To every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. I love that wording. <laughs> but as bond servants of God, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. All right. Lots happening here. A let's, lot. Let's rewind this. Uh, I want to ask you this. What does it look like? What does it mean to uh, submit to authority? What does that look like? Well, some would say that we just blindly submit to government, mm. but I don't believe that that's what Scripture teaches us mm -hmm. because Scripture never teaches us to obey that which is counter to God's purpose and God's will mm. and God's word. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard so many people, every time political cycles come around, mm -hmm. you know, you hear this, submit to government, we got to submit to government, we got to submit to government, we can't, you know, we can't make our statement known publicly, we can't do all of this, we can't, we can't, we can't. But in all of that, there are very few people saying, listen, the early church modeled this of what it means to be persecuted and submitted yet not submitted to evil tasks given by evil leaders. Mm. And so when we are told to do things that's counter to the word of God, 
that is a not a contradiction but a, an affront to God's will and God's purpose, we can't submit to that. Mm-hmm. We submit to authorities mm-hmm. and governing bodies. Again, who's he talking to? Right. Talking to a group of people who were raised to believe that they didn't pay taxes to the government authorities, mm-hmm. that they didn't obey the, th- the authorities, because he's talking to a lot of people who were raised up that they believe they're religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And thereby Jesus does this whole entire teaching on render under Caesar what is under Caesar. That's why that's such a huge teaching. Right. Because he's teaching it to people who didn't believe that. Right. Like, but Jesus is going, render under Caesar's what is to Caesar's. But I'm not going counterintuitive to the will of the Father. Exactly. So he's telling look, submit to authority, even the evil authority, but doesn't mean we, we contradict what God has for us. I mean, great example is um, uh, Daniel's friends uh, who, you know, they were told to worship a gold statue. And they said, no, we can't do that. No, and they were submitted and they were humble, but yet they did not obey an evil order from an evil ruler to worship uh, a God who was not their own. Exactly, exactly. So now there's some interesting vocabulary here about silencing the talk of, of ignorance. What does he mean by that? How does this work out? Well, he's talking about for the will of God, which goes back to what we talked about before, by doing good. Mm-hmm. Not just by doing good, but doing godly things, and in that mm-hmm. you are doing good. Right. Not doing good in spite of God right. or as if God doesn't exist, but doing the good works of God, mm-hmm. doing the ministry of Jesus. Right. So when he says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish of men. So when we do the right thing, we do what God has called us to do, mm-hmm. then it will expose that which light always exposes darkness. Right. Now, whether that's celebrated or whether it, I mean, we are told that in the last days, people are going to call good evil and evil good. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of living in that right now. Right. But here he says that by doing the will of God, by doing those good things that God has called you to do, that it will silence the ignorance of foolish men, that God's word, God's principles, God's purposes will silence the foolishness. Mm. And so like when we do it on a daily basis, when we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling and we are doing what God calls us to do, it doesn't matter what is said about us or to us. Um, going all the way back to the scripture, it says that which has been whispered mm. you know, in the closet, in the inner place, will be shouted from the rooftops one day. Mm-hmm. Our vindication doesn't come from us. The Lord is our defender. Right. And so, again, I think it's just that when you do, again, it doesn't change governmental structures. Sometimes it doesn't change states or nations, but it is going to be known by someone. Right. It will be seen by someone. Exactly. So there's some other interesting vocabulary. Verse 16, living as free men, but uh, do not use your freedom to cover up evil, up for evil. Your scripture said uh, cover up vice. Uh, what does that mean in context? He's talking about the way that we submit to authority, live our lives in front of, of evil government. How does us living as free men, how could, how could it begin to cover up our uh, vice or evil? Well, I think we could probably layer this into the... the um I don't want to call it the grace movement, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like um, uh, all things may be lawful, mm-hmm. but not permissible. Right. Uh, Paul said that. 
all things may be lawful, but not permissible. Mm -hmm. Like I can do it according to the law, but according to the will of God, according to my witness, right. according to myself as a as the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm not permitted to do that. Exactly. It, that, that was declared over John the Baptist. He could have drunk wine if he wanted to, but it was prophesied over him that it wouldn't touch his lips. Right. He could have done it and been fine mm -hmm. according to the law, but according to the will of God and the call of God and the mantle of God, it couldn't touch his lips. Right. And so here it's saying, don't use your liberty as a cloak for vice. Mm -hmm. Don't use your freedom mm. as a willfulness now to sin and then to call yourself free. Right. Because now you're under a different covenant. In Christ, you're under a different covenant. You can't just say, well, everything's under grace. I can do what I want to. Mm. Like, that's not what this is for. Right. I'm inclined to also believe, though, that some of it is that in their freedom, perhaps that they were lashing out against... Um, the pagans around them who were telling them to do certain things and maybe perhaps do it inappropriately because the next verse, show proper respect to everyone, uh, to everyone, love your brother, I'm sorry, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and honor the king. And it's almost as if Peter's going, hey, look, in your freedom, this is how we need to act. We have got to have respect for all people. In doing that, we also need to make sure we are loving the brothers because um, as you and I both know that in the early church, there was some division between the Christian Jew and the Christian Gentile um, because they're, they're learning how a new way of seeing the world. Absolutely. And then also in doing that, make sure you have fear, all admiration for God and honor the government. Who's telling you to do things that are inappropriate. Yep. And I think this is something that I, I know that um, I've been challenged with because sometimes we have this mindset, well, if I'm fear God, well, then I don't need to honor the government. Or there have been people because I fear God, I don't respect all people. And that's not what Peter's saying. It's like, look, respect, honor all people, period. Doesn't mean you agree with everybody. Exactly. Doesn't mean you have to accept their behavior or their... Condone it or anything. None of that. But you it's, do have to respect them. That's right. Honor them, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And it's key in verse 16 where he says, as a bondservant of God... Mm. Not a bond servant of the government, not a but a bond servant of God. Mm. That means your behavior has to be different mm -hmm. than everybody else. Exactly. It, you can't just fire off 140 characters on Twitter like everybody else. Mm. Yeah. Your thumb and your index finger need to move a little <laughs> bit different than everybody else. Yeah. What you put out, the way in which the spirit behind it has to be different. I think one of the key things that Peter's dealing with is the spirit, mm. the spirit behind it. He's telling them that, again, you're not just doing good and you're not just submitting yourselves to every evil ordinance. You're submitting yourself to the law, mm. right? Being governed by the law as a citizen of that place. Right. There are laws that govern me as a citizen of the United States of America that if I break those laws, then I open myself up for punishment. Yeah. Right. But if it is something that is put upon me that goes counterintuitive to the will of God and the purpose of God, again, I don't have to scream, I don't have to yell, I don't have to, but I also don't have to do it Right. if it is in direct contradiction to the commandments of the Lord. Exactly, exactly. So we have this idea of where, or not idea, but this, this command, submit ourselves for the Lord's sake. Us doing this, doing these things, um, not acting out, not doing things that are inappropriate. It's for the Lord's sake. Not that, you know, it's like, oh, God needs us to do this, but it's 
us behaving this way, us having respect, all these things, it points back to him. Yep. You, you know, you put out, we are servants of God. We are, the other scriptures call us ambassadors. An ambassador, they represent who they represent. When the ambassador's in the room, that guy, for all intents and purposes, is who they represent. So for the Lord's sake, for his name, for his glory, do this. Operate in this manner. Because this is what brings glory to him at the end of the day. Yep. All right, verse 18. Here we go. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Then it quotes Old Testament, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Right. But verse 18 steps into servants. Right. Which many translations put out as slaves. Slaves. Is this condoning slavery, as some have accused it of doing? Well, again, contextualization. Right. Who's being spoken to? Mm-hmm. When? What culture? Mm-hmm. What are the times dictating? Mm-hmm. And in those times, we know that there were slaves and there were masters. Right. Now, we're not talking about color. We're not talking about any of those things. Slaves were all manner of people from all over the world. Exactly. Throughout the history of the world, mm-hmm. um, there were nations who enslaved their own people. Right. Um, Oftentimes had, related to a debt. That's right. So when when it begins to talk about servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, again, within context, he's speaking to a situation that is happening right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really want to get a good grasp of this, and take away all the contemporary revisionist history mm. that is tried to either whitewash or demean or uh, victimize everything in the past. Mm-hmm. You go to Philemon, and when you go to Philemon, yeah, then you hear the true context of New Testament of the the good news and the gospel, where Paul calls upon Philemon. For Onesimus, and Onesimus was a slave right. of Philemon. And Paul is writing to Philemon and saying, listen, on my account, account it to me, mm-hmm. this is a son in the faith. Right. He has come to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And Philemon, you, you say that you are a follower of Jesus. I right. know you're a follower of Jesus. I know you're a disciple of Jesus. And this son of mine, which Onesimus is not his natural-born son, but he's a son in the faith, has come to Christ. And so here's what I want you to do, Philemon. I want you to receive him, not as a slave, but I want you to receive him as a brother. Right. And it's in that most beautiful letter that I think that clears up a lot of arguments to be made that the Bible says condones slavery. I believe that that... That letter is the essence of the gospel beyond culture, right? beyond time, beyond all of it. Absolutely. That that is the example mm. of what um, many people have taken to. And I know that when we talk about things like this, it can be uncomfortable for people. And, and 
And listen, America's got, we have plenty of blood on our hands, but this has been going on way before America was even founded. Exactly. Um, and so, again, you have, you have countries enslaving their own, people of the same color enslaving one another. You have mm -hmm. all manner of things that have happened over the years. But the reason why this is put in here in Peter, because in context, again, contextualization. And if you look at the diaspora and the dispersion of the Jews, you will find that many of those Jews had slaves with them. Mm -hmm. And now they're accepting Christ. So what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. Like, are they all of a sudden not servants anymore? And is that one of the reasons why the interpretation of even the root word of that is a little bit different in different chapters? Right. Is it because that when they accepted Christ, now they no longer saw them as slaves, but maybe they were simply a servant or somebody who took care of the house. Yeah. Because that word servant in the Bible is not always slave. Right. It takes on a connotation of somebody who would be Lord Lord over a household, mm -hmm. taking care of a household. So uh, again, it's one of those really iffy parts that can mm -hmm. really get to you. But if you look at the whole context of it, right. um, I believe that it, it's not put in here saying that slavery is right or it's good or anything else. It's simply spoken of in context. Right. And at the same time, in context, again, he's, he's talking to people who are, he's saying, look, you need to obey authority, you know, obey these people who are ahead of you. And there are people who, part of the spiritship, because of debt, they're now in servitude, they're now slaves to individuals. And he's saying, look, even though you may have, some of you have some great masters, some people who are in charge of you who are, who are fantastic. Some of you have some terrible individuals. Some people who are right, who are flat out doing wrong. And he said, we need to obey them regardless. For this is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of an unjust suffering uh, because he is uh, conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive the beating uh, for doing wrong and enduring it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. He's saying, look, if you are suffering because you're doing the right thing under a terrible individual, God sees that still. He's not abandoning you. He still sees you, and, he, and there's blessings for you in the back end, and that Jesus himself lived that out in front of us. Uh, to, uh, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus was on the cross. Jesus was, uh, before on the cross, was beaten. He had you know the flesh and, and uh, muscle torn from his body. He bled tremendously, suffocated to death, and never once cursed those who were ahead of him. He never cursed Pilate. He never cursed the Sadducees. He never cursed the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. He never cursed the thieves. Never cursed the man who was about to stab him in the side to make sure he was dead. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. But then he also said, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, his cry is not for everyone else. Right. His cry is to his father. Right. And that, you know, and then when he gives up his spirit, you know, um, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Mm -hmm. Father, father, why have you seen? It's like his cry isn't about what's been done to him. His cry is almost an anguish of being forsaken himself mm -hmm. and maybe the last bit of manhood that was in him mm -hmm. crying out because he, 
you know, he went to the garden as the as the son of man. That's where he's really his man is his humanity is crushed. Yeah. Because he's being forsaken by everybody. Yeah. Little bit of him cries out to say, if it be so, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. And then on the cross he goes as the son of God. And then there's this moment of, and this is the way that I pictured it. I'm not making a theology out of it or anything else, but it's almost as if it's just him and God. Mm-hmm. Like him and the Father. Yeah. At the end. Like nobody else is there. Yeah. Although he's surrounded by all these people. Yeah. And all these people have done all these things to him. But yet in that moment, it is only him and the Father. Yeah. Now, many would say, well, the Father had to turn his back on him and he had to, he couldn't look upon him and all that stuff. And I kind of get that. The scripture doesn't really pinpoint that. We do know that that there is a certain element with sinfulness that God can't look upon. We know that Jesus took upon yeah. himself, but we also know that was the plan and the purpose of God. Right. And so in all of that, Jesus ultimately modeled to us mm-hmm. what servanthood was all about. Yeah. He wasn't a slave to the Romans. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a slave to the Jews, but he was a servant to all. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when we read something like this, we immediately want to go to that thing because either that's what's been put in us or whatever. But but I can serve people. That doesn't make me a slave to them. Right. And even if I'm serving someone, I can honor them. I can respect them. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't agree with me and I don't agree with them. Right. I can I can love them. Yeah. And I can do it because I fear God. Yeah. And because I want to serve God. Yeah. And I, that's why, you know, here on the Midweek Move, we try not to avoid these verses. Mm-hmm. It could it would have been easy to be like, hey, can we just do child, let's do chapter three? Oh, wait a second. It's talking about submission to husbands. Can we change <laughs> go to another one? Like every chapter can be something that we're uncomfortable with, and right. it should be. Yeah. Because the word of God has been given to us to instruct us and to help us understand and and to help us not just to understand who God is, but to understand who we are created by Him mm-hmm. and what He has called us to do. And in order to do that, we have got to deal with the hard things, mm-hmm. but we have to deal with them in context. Yeah. In our life, we deal with hard things, and a lot of times one of the reasons why we mess up so bad is because we never do it within the narrative. Mm. We do it in the micro and not the macro. Mm-hmm. We're so caught up in the micro that we can't see the macro, mm-hmm. the narrative, the context. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Scripture. Yeah. If we just took 18 through 20, man, we could argue all day long yeah. and make people mad and people can get... But if you if you look at it in the context, again, these people have gone to a foreign land. Some of them have servants of their own. Mm. And you brought up a good point that I don't think we dealt with enough is that all slaves were not slaves just sold to somebody. Some of them were paying off a debt. Mm-hmm. That was culture. Yeah. That wasn't just culture in Israel. Mm-hmm. That was culture. That was world culture. That was world culture. Mm-hmm. That a debt sometimes was, if it could not be paid off, it was paid off with servanthood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that wasn't even the person that had the debt. Sometimes it was their child. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was their wife. Sometimes it was the... like. I get it. In today's world, that's hard for us to wrap our brain around. Sometimes it was your parents' past removed. That's right. And so, like, it's... And and today, we could even bring it to um, you You are in debt to a creditor. Mm. 
Well, there are certain things that you have to do because you're indebted. Mm -hmm. They gave you something when you didn't have nothing, mm -hmm. when you had nothing, and now you're indebted to them. So what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm probably going to have an interest rate that I'm going to have to pay. And if I don't, there are going to be repercussions for that. Mm -hmm. In a way, I'm in a moment of servitude to a creditor, not because of them, but because of me. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's hard for us to bring into, and this is one of the things that makes me so crazy sometimes, <laughs> is how we as this enlightened culture can think we can go all the way back and we're going to be so enlightened mm. that we're just going to change everything and we're going to act so differently than everybody else. And we wouldn't have mm -mm. because we were in that culture. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have air conditioning. You wouldn't have your Lexus. You wouldn't have your, your Tesla. You wouldn't have McDonald's drive through mm -hmm. You wouldn't have any of that. When people look back even in American history and they look to an Abraham Lincoln and go, oh, well, he wasn't all that and he wasn't that, you have no idea what those people were living in. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what it was like to make a decision in that moment. You have no idea when the world culture was like that and you're making a decision that's counterintuitive to the world culture. We have people who, who were very imperfect who founded our country, who were doing things that were counterintuitive to the entire culture of the world, mm -hmm. the domineering culture of the world. It was being completely reconstructed to create a place that was the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, guess what you're going to have to go through? It's not going to be all eradicated in a moment. Yeah. And so for Peter, and I know that was a little bit of a tangent, <laughs> but I, I just think that sometimes even reading the Word of God, mm -hmm. we get this pious viewpoint from our high judgment seat, and we're like, oh, how dare they? How could they? It was the culture of the day. Right. And I'm not even going to say that, well, it wasn't right. I, I don't even know because I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. What I know is that was the culture, and here's what God was saying in the midst of that culture. Right. And guess what God is saying to us? Be servants. Respect people. Mm -hmm. Love me. Fear me. Honor those who are in authority. Mm -hmm. Pray for them. Love your brotherhood. Love the brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Like, he's saying the same stuff. Right. Culture may look a little different, but, man, there's slavery in all cultures. It's just not called slavery. Mm -hmm. Like, all these things are active today. It just doesn't look like that. But sometimes we read it and we forget the context. Well, that's what, again, that's the point of the show of, of the midweek move is us to go, all right, what's happening here? And contextually. Sorry, I was just, uh, <laughs> right. I was just clinging cups yeah. and microphones. But contextually, how do we apply this practically in our real world? He's not talking about, hey, if you find yourself in slavery today, thankfully we live in, in, in 2023 United States. There's no such thing as slavery anymore. But we are sometimes in a bad situation. Sometimes we have a job with a boss who's a little bit uh, of a tyrant. Harsh. And yeah. We have to work with that. Sometimes we find ourselves. Dallas is not one of those. I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. So, <laughs> so, but sometimes we're in those situations. Sometimes, uh, you know, we have a government that we disagree with. That's right. And, you know, I, I by mean, the way, not just by party, but a government, a whole government a we disagree with, right? a system we disagree with, mm -hmm. because it's a system that says we're giving you freedom when yet at the same time it's enslaving you. Exactly. 
and and kind of like, I feel like we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but I mean, I look at the Jews when they're in captivity. God didn't say, "Hey, overthrow the government." Right. He said, "Hey, you're going to be in captivity, and you're going to work with the Babylonians. You're going to be in captivity, and you're going to have to work within the system of Pharaoh." He didn't say, "All right, start a revolt, start a petition, throw Pharaoh out." He said, "Live in it." What do you do with Joseph's life if that's the case? Exactly. Like we don't even have the story of Joseph if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy that he he was given uh, Egyptian clothes, mm-hmm. titles, even tried to change his name. Same with Daniel mm-hmm. and the Hebrew children. Exactly. Same thing. And God help us, we call them by their <laughs> pagan name instead of the names that they were given by God. Right. But yet they 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 functioned in that culture, and they functioned in that society but they did not they weren't hypocrites mm-hmm. they weren't full of malice right <laughs> we talked about this last week <laughs> they weren't full of hate but yet they also did not bow to the idols right they they kept their eyes on god they kept the faith they continually to sacrifice offer themselves as a sacrifice unto god mm-hmm. to be representatives of him and we are to do the same thing All right, so uh, it says, For this you were called, because, verse 21, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. We talked about that, how Mm -hmm. he went through all of this stuff, and that stuff did not come out of his mouth. There were very few words that came out of Jesus' mouth during that whole week of these fake trials that he was going through. Um, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Mm. It was all about the Father, yeah. who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. Right. So he wraps up this whole chapter. Again, we, we made the chapters. He wraps up this conversation by saying, look, you're going through hard times. Mm-hmm. I get it. And submit yourself just like Jesus did. Understanding, though, that Jesus, he carried a lot more on his shoulders than you are right now. Not saying that what you're going through is not hard. Not saying that what you're going through isn't difficult and, and it is wrong. But understand that he carried this. And because he carried it, there's a greater reward for everybody. And how much more, if you walk this out, will your life expand out and have an influence on others around you? You got any other thoughts on this? Again, he's talking to these Jews, and he says, for you were like sheep going astray and have now returned to the shepherd. I love the fact that he brings it all the way back. Mm -hmm. Everything that Peter is laying out in here is taking them back to that which they know, Mm -hmm. but yet bringing them forward into that new covenant. Mm -hmm. He's relating it to the old covenant and using old covenant terminology. Right. Chosen generation, like all all those things, living stones, temple, all of that stuff. And then he uses to the shepherd. Ah, we remember that. Psalmist talked about that. Who's Mm -hmm. the great shepherd? Well, it's not Peter. It's not a man. It's Jesus. He's the great shepherd. And reminding them that Jesus suffered all of this and didn't respond like you want to. Mm -hmm. And now you are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. 
your spiritual sacrifices to God are in Christ Jesus now. Mm -hmm. So you can't act the way you used to. Exactly. I mean, if you want to boil it down to, <laughs> if you want to boil that whole entire chapter down, it's yeah. like, I know you want to, but you can't act like that anymore. Right. For a better reason. That's right. I know you want to lash out. I know you want to hurt them. I know you want, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because now you are in Christ. Right. Doesn't mean we're pushovers. Doesn't mean you just roll over and That's you right. take it. You point everything back to the Father. Yep. And you live the way you're supposed to. Yep. Well, guys, we want to hear from you. How have you grown from this? What have you been what have you been challenged with? Let us know. Reach out to us. Media hub at thbshreveport.com or you can uh, private message us on our Facebook page midweek move and i want to remind you guys if you're in the shreveport bozier area come check us out 8957 kingston road shreveport louisiana uh on sundays at 10 o'clock and wednesdays at 6 30 so that being said have a great week